welcome to the Writer Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. That's me. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. Today's episode, Jason Cordova Expose. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Writer Dojo. Glad to have you back with us. So today's a cool day because uh, one of mine and Larry's buddies happens to be out in Utah um, on vacation. And so he's, he's out here and we were like, you know what? We should not ignore him. <laughs> and we should probably get him on the show. Um, so today we have with us Jason Cordova. Hi. <laughs> um, it, this, is, this is a good day for me because, you know, two collaborators with Larry on the same show, which means we get to pick on Larry the whole time instead of like when it was me and Rothman on the show. And they got to pick on me. So this is good. This is good. We're, we're in a good place now, Larry. Yeah, they can give you the real behind the scenes of what it's like to work with Larry Korea. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, Jason. So first of all, thanks for coming by, man. We appreciate you making some time. No, it was great. I was literally sitting around like, what am I going to do when I'm in Utah? Larry's sick. Steve is busy. And then all of a sudden, everything just came together, what, yesterday? Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. had COVID for the last week, if you guys are. So if I sound like crap this episode, that's why. I just barely got my voice back. So, okay, Jason. So so normally when we have people on, we, we try to get them on for a couple episodes. That way, the first episode, or at least a good chunk of the first episode, they can introduce themselves, talk about where they came from and whatnot. So, so Jason, why don't you just kind of start introducing yourself to to the listeners who they've seen you in the Facebook group. They know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so talk about like kind of how you got to where you are as an author today. Okay. Well, um, my name's Jason Cordova. Yay. Um, I started my writer journey in 2005. Actually, I watched this awesome Polish science fiction movie with a Japanese director called Avalon. And it was the most bizarrest, is that a word? It's a word now. It's the most bizarrest movie I'd ever seen in my life. But it was about underground video game through virtual reality. And it was awesome. And I was like, this is great, but it could be better. And it got my mind turned. I was like, man, what if I wrote a book that was a little bit better than this? And it was virtual reality. But instead of underground, it was like terrorists taking over. And then it just kind of grew from there. And then um, it got picked up. I submitted to my first publisher. It got picked up two weeks later which is a record. And I got punched a lot by my other author friends when they heard that um, up until last year, I'd actually never had a rejection letter in my life. Wow. Until last year. Yeah. Huh. Th- that gets me hit a lot. Please don't hit me. Sure. Oh. You're both than me. Huh. Okay. That's the first. Yeah. I've, n- I'd never had a rejection letter up yeah. until last year. Because I uh, have monster hunter. I was just over a hundred and you're no offense, but yours is much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Laurel K. Hamilton for Anita Blake, 250 rejections. Yeah. I mean, look, and all she, the she authors. smokes all of us, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote the book. It got, um, it got delayed because I had moved. I, I got a divorce and I moved and I was stuck. And for somehow the publisher lost my email. I, I don't know how. And then three years later, she finally contacts me and says, Hey, um, I want to publish this, but you haven't sent me any of the notes or corrections back yet. I was like, I've never received any notes or corrections. What are you talking about? And then we took care of that. And that got rushed about three months. Uh, Stephanie Osborne actually was the oh, editor yeah. of that. Oh, and yeah. the poor woman didn't know. I didn't know what track changes were. This is how new to I, I, I did not set out to be an author. 
that was now I was supposed to be a professional baseball player. Yeah, I was gonna say you and I have talked about this because yeah. we're both avid baseball fans. I was supposed to be a pro baseball player, not an author. So she she would send me the notes and corrections on the document. I'm like, yeah, cool, okay. So I just type over it instead of accepting or declining the track changes. So that manuscript was a mess. <laughs> And she, I caused two other editors to quit before Stephanie got it because nobody told me what a track change was. <laughs> I know now, but then I had no clue. And I was, I kept, finally, Stephanie called me. She's like, Jason, you're a sweet kid, but you need to listen to me. You need to accept or decline. That's all I want you to do. Oh, well, where's that? What, at the top of your Word document, I was using like 90, Windows 95 still because I had an ancient computer that barely ran. And I was like, okay, track changes. Oh, oh, those. Okay. So I just said, accept a client. She's like, yes, that's all you have to do, Jason. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, so, so for all of you <laughs> listeners out there who happen to be uh, very, very new to this game, you will never be this bad. So <laughs> feel good about yourselves. Um, no, I, you know, it's funny though. Like, because uh, Larry and I, you know, we, we were accountants for so long yeah, and we, we dealt every single day in Excel in word and that suite for, for decades. And so that kind of stuff, like, you know, we take it for granted. Um, but there are so many people out there that don't work in these tools that they don't even, they don't even know what they don't know. And, and that was where you were at. Yeah, I did not know. And then fortunately I had the third editor was very patient, <laughs> very patient. Those first two editors were weak. They were weak. <laughs> They couldn't cut the mustard. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I know one of them actually quit editing for that publisher too. She just straight up quit. She's like, I can't deal with this guy. He doesn't listen. It's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be listening to. What am I, what am I supposed to do? Help me here. Well, no, this is, this is actually really interesting. And, and for, for the listeners out there, cause we, we actually have quite a few who are crazy and want to be editors. Um, I mean, we wow. just had one of our guest episodes is with Christine Nielsen. Yep. That'll, that just aired, I think. Did that, is that going to air this week? By the time this comes out. Yeah. 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 So, um, she was talking about the whole editing process and stuff and, and, and we've met a number of people at conventions who, who said, look, I want to be an editor. And, you know, we give them like the, the, you oh, know, the, right. the, the Catholic sign of the cross. We're like, good for you. You know, <laughs> good luck, kid. Good luck. <laughs> um, but, but I think this communication aspect is really, really key. Because so many new authors or even established authors who've just been, just been winging it, um, having that really clear communication with an editor is hyper, hyper important. I mean, if those editors had just told you what they needed. Yeah. That book would have come out in 2008 instead of 2010, like it was yeah. scheduled. Yeah. Well, so Lesson learned there. 13, 13 years then that you've, you've been published. Uh, almost to the month. It was November 3rd, 2010 was when my book came out. How many have you uh, done since then? So at this point, I would say about 22 books published with six, seven, eight, nine, nine more under contract and um, about 40 short stories now. Yeah. And you've also put together and edited some anthologies too. One. One. Uh, okay. Two. 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 Second ones with you. Right. Yep. yep. So cool. So no, that's really good. I mean, I... I, I think it's really interesting for people, um, for listeners and, and prospective authors and stuff to understand that it, it, it's, it's like the old business adage, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And, and, and I think that that holds true for authors as well. 
if you're not writing, if you're not growing, and if you're not publishing, then then your audience is actively withering. That literally happened to me when I first got started. Uh, when the book, when Corruptor came out in 2010, uh, a lot of people liked it. Great. But I, I got told that I was doing it wrong. And I was supposed to write short stories, build up my uh, audience, and then write a novel. Yeah, we've talked about that in the yeah. show. That's yeah. crap. That's yeah. garbage. It, but I I listened to it. And for three, four years, I didn't publish a novel. Three years, I didn't publish a novel. And then I wrote six novels in a period of like eight months with Eric S. Brown. Because we're crazy. That's right. That's <laughs> that three-year right. gap Eric probably caused it, a three-year hole, at least in your career. It killed. It almost killed my career. Yep. Yeah, we've talked about that. The show is part of it. Is, and we've also had, we talked about that with Rick Partlow uh, yeah. by the time this airs a few weeks ago. And, and with Steve Bollier. And Steve Bollier. Yeah, you got to you gotta keep bringing your stuff out in front of the people. Mm-hmm. You got to keep you gotta keep feeding the audience and growing the audience. Yeah, and we've talked on the show about the, the short story versus um, uh, novel. Yeah, I think that was in the olden days. That was kind of the advice. You're supposed to like work your way up and get an analog in Asimov's and... That's no, exactly dude, what I was This told. is not the 1970s anymore. There's no money in it. Yeah, I know. You can't make a living. The most no. prolific short story writers alive can't make a living no. just doing short stories. They're not I mean, markets. Or, or they do. I mean, we talked about this on a Q&A episode that I don't, I don't know if it's aired yet, but um, like Ted Chang, you know, story of your yeah, life or my life. This one aired life. already. Um, and so... I mean, if you hit the lottery on a short story, yeah, and it, it gets yeah. turned into a freaking movie. Well, yeah, that's different. Then sure, but yeah. yeah, but it's not the short story at that point. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, you're not living off the short story. You're living off the uh, the dramatic rights off yeah. of that short story. And then, and then, which the good massive, luck getting that. And then the, your massive collection that has all of your short fiction in it all at once, right? But, but, it, I mean, just mathematically speaking, right? I mean, you've done anthologies. We've all done anthologies. We've all edited anthologies. We've all sold plenty of stories in anthologies now. Um, on average, you're getting what, five hundred to seven hundred dollars per short story sale. That's on the high end. If it's end. pro rate, pro rate. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, that's on the high end for right. what I've dealt with. If it's pro, right? Think about what your bills are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, that if you if you've had a good bill. day, if you've had like a good good year, maybe maybe you'll sell six to twelve short stories in a year. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's a lot. That's, that's a, a I mean, lot. that that's what I did this year. And I was blown away when I put it together. I'm like, oh, dang, I actually show, sold a lot of stories this year. And you're like, that pays one mortgage payment. I, barely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe not even depends on when the checks come. So it's, you know, you, you cannot rely on that. And so I, I get it, dude. Like I, I, I see, <laughs> I mean, I think we, we all heard the same advice growing up trying to be authors and so, I mean, you experienced it though. Well, during my author journey, um, I moved to Kentucky and I lived, I don't know if you're familiar with the name Janet Morris. She mm-hmm. was a big author back in the eighties, wrote one of the first, uh, New York times bestselling science fiction books. Uh, not the first, but one of the first, and it was one of Bain's first that hit the New York times bestseller as well, or hit the national bestseller. It hit one of the bit, one of the big lists at the time. Well, I went and I lived on, we lived on her farm for about two months I would say while we were looking for a place to live out there because I got a job out there and she put me through the Janet Morris boot camp of how to be a writer now oh. her her advice about being the short story person was garbage but her techniques and how to be a writer were spot on so 
that that was beneficial to my long-term career, but for the short term to keeping my author base that I built up with the first book, just absolutely killed it. And I owe Eric Brown a lot for saying, Hey, well, that dude produces. Yeah. Well, he just randomly went on Facebook one day and said, Hey, I'm looking for someone to collaborate for a new story idea. I've got anybody interested. Just tell me, send me, tell me what you, what your creds are. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I, I mean, he got, I know he got deluged. Dude, can you imagine if I did that? (laughs) Oh heavens. No. Oh my gosh. Oh man. That's insane. (laughs) You'd have to hire a secretary just to go through those. No, that's that's every, I mean, you do do that. I mean, I mean, it's every con. It's every con. You walk up and someone says, someone like Jason comes up to you and says, Dude, I've got an idea for a Monster Hunter story. Oh, oh yeah, behind the scenes, guys. That's kind of what Jason did. I'm so sorry. But to be fair, I've known <laughs> You're you You're the exception for, on this. You are the exception on this guy. I've known you for a lot of years. So I already knew you. I read some of your stuff. In fact, I was the guy that recommended you for the Campbell Award for yes, you Best were. New Author, which uh, I'm sorry, and I apologize for that. Oh, whatever. Because <laughs> <laughs> we... Uh, what year was that? Was that? 2015? Was that it was the sad puppies was that the, too. The third, yeah, no, third. The sad third puppies one? three. Yeah, so Jason was up for the Campbell Award for best new author in 2015, yeah. uh, and oh, back in the olden days when we right. thought the the Hugos meant something. Yeah, so so I, I apologize to you for that. <laughs> I, I I did not hold it against you. <laughs> I was trying to be nice to well, people. The pro, the funny I was thing is so that year too. Laura Resnick, Laura Resnick. Oh, I'm dropping names. I'm sorry. Should we cut that? Okay. No. Uh, Laura Resnick actually emailed my me on my website and said, I'm so sorry that they dragged your name through the mud on this. And I will support you if you want us backing you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Larry's a great friend of mine. I love Larry. I'm surprised. And I like <laughs> your stuff. That's why that's, that's the part they, they was so political that I was like, no, literally this guy's really talented. Yeah. Well, and then the, the whole thing where they were started coming at me saying, well, he's not eligible because he had a book published in 2010. I was like, well, by your definition of the rules, I didn't sell crap and I didn't get an advance. So therefore well, it doesn't fall under same the Same thing happened to the Grossman. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. I lost to a guy who was already a bestseller off his books for like eight years. Yeah. It was a different genre. It was a different genre. It was speculative, not yeah. science fiction. It's like science fiction. Whatever. But whatever. And so it was just really the whole thing. Well, I was going to come in last no matter what. Which is funny because I'm still outworking everybody else I was up against. But yeah. Oh, yeah, by a lot, all t- combined. You know, so the, the thing is, uh, there was a stupid process, but that, uh, pr- I don't know if that helped get your name out there anymore, perhaps, maybe, Honestly, or maybe in a positive or negative, me, I have no idea. It gave me cred with your fans. Okay. Your fans sure. have, honestly, I'm... I'd say 80% of my sales now are your fans because they, they, you recommended me, they picked up my stuff. They liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one reason. So when you did approach me about doing a book together, I knew you, I knew your work ethic, I knew your quality and you had a really good pitch for me. I was going to say, and the pitch was good. The pitch was really good. The pitch was real good. And so, so guys, you're not Jason. (laughs) No. (laughs) Please spare us all the awkwardness of, of, of of that. No. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I've known you for 15 years and you want to pitch something to me, that's a little bit different. Go for it. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to co- continue our conversation with Jason. And uh, I don't know, see if we can embarrass him some more. <laughs> we'll be right back. All Kira wanted was a dog for Christmas. But when Santa delivers a baby Keiju instead, she is determined to fix this mistake one way or the other. Recruited by Santa to help save Christmas, Kira will discover not only the meaning of Christmas, but the mystery behind the baby Keiju. From the deep, dark depths of the Pacific Ocean to the snow-covered tops of the Rocky Mountains, Kira will discover that sometimes doing the right thing is the scariest thing of all. 
Available exclusively on Amazon for only 99 cents. Author Jason Cordova brings you a heartwarming Christmas story suitable for all ages. Grab your copy today. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Okay. All right, Jason. So in the first half of the episode, we, we kind of got, you know, talked about you, where you started, um, how crazy you were, yada, yada, all the good stuff. So what I want to talk about now, because I, I find this aspect super interesting with, with every guest that we have on, it's for like your process, where you started versus where you are now. Um, so let, let's, let's kind of get like, let's talk about, you know, outlining versus discovery writing in the beginning, um, you know, tips and tricks that you've picked up over the years that have helped you become more efficient and, and, and just a better quality writer. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and again, I'm going to really irritate a lot of people who struggle writing, uh, corrupter. I completely pantsed. It was 120,000 words and I wrote it in six weeks. Mm-hmm. I went, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a mess. I'm not even going to lie about that. It was a train wreck, but it was done and I can go back and fix it later. That was my thought process. I didn't expect to sell the second draft that quickly. That was just one of those weird things. Um, and I, I, I was a hard pantser when it comes to writing science fiction. And I still am, actually. A lot of my science fiction, I just pants. It's why I like writing Space Navy stuff so much, because I was in the Navy. I know this stuff. This is easy. I just got to make it three-dimensional. Done. <laughs> ships are ships, man. They are. They are. Ships are ships in space. And if you keep the same command structure and you remember the ships, uh, how the personnel went and listed to officer ratio, all that stuff, and remember without breaking any classified information, what you did on a ship, you can make it plausible and work right. it into any environment. I actually, for like Freever, I had to research the crap out of that because... I mean, we were delving into something that you scratched the surface on briefly in one book as a passing mention almost. Mm -hmm. And that's where, what gave me the idea for the pitch. And then I had to research that, go into the, the native mythologies, which mythology we're following before I finally said, Hey, let's just like throw it all together. Cause I mean, they don't care who, what they call as long as they get the name right. Yeah. So it's not like, it's like, so if you're right in the Navy, it's a thing, you know, that's why there's that advice. Wait a minute. You don't, you don't know all about. Like Mesoamerican, like Mesoamerican mythology, gods and monsters. You're not an expert in this already. Yes, the book I just bought uh, will help me. I bought a, <laughs> I, at Barnes and Noble. They had a uh, a really thick book that was the uh, all the myths and lore of Mesoamerica. Well, one of the nice things about being uh, Monster Hunter Universe, writing in the Monster Hunter Universe, is we're pretty flexible as far as how accurate everything yeah, that's is. True. Yeah. Uh, and so like, like, so what people's actually, I'm sure I've offended a lot of people who believe in really obscure ancient religions. <laughs> That's not what we believe. All you know? three of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm sure there's like followers of a song, the chaos God are mad at me for, you know, like well, me- messing up is whatever. What are you going to do? But, um. Can't please everyone, Larry. Well, that's why there's that advice. Write what you know. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, it's because yeah. it's easy. Yeah. It's and, easy to write what you know. And I'll, I'm, I'm actually torture. the opposite. I don't want to write what I know. I want to write interesting stuff that I have to learn because I'm at heart. I love to learn. I love to f- just absorb knowledge. So, and once you stop learning, you start dying. Yeah. So write I, what you know can get boring pretty exactly. quick. So I like, I like to write, I really want to write an epic fantasy. I, oh my, you have no idea how much I want to write one. I, I was why I love writing Monster Hunter because it, it makes me learn. 
And plus, well, writing with you, I'm learning more because you're teaching me how to be a better writer as I'm going. Well, there was. Well, uh, let's, not, let's not get his head any bigger no, than You it didn't read is. the first draft. <laughs> well, actually, you did probably. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, oh. okay. So, so that's one thing. So, behind the scenes, I've had a lot of collaborators over the years, but a lot of authors will, lot, like where you've got senior author, junior author kind of thing going yeah. on, a lot of the author, senior authors will phone it in. I don't do that. No. Like, like, and I think everybody who will ever, has ever collaborated with me for good or ill would agree that I don't phone stuff in. I don't just, that's right. You know, fire and forget. No, um, no, you're, you're very active and hands-on in the whole process from start to finish. Yeah, pretty much. And so, so when we get involved in the actual editing and stuff, I, my goal by the end is to be able to, to not be able to tell which one of us wrote which part. Yes. If the reader can tell which one of us wrote which part, we failed. And if the reader guesses which one of us wrote which part and they're wrong, yeah, that's, that's good. Ultimate that, that's a success. good success. When I was rereading the book, because I, I don't usually reread what I write, because unless I'm researching for the next book, but when I was rereading what we wrote, I couldn't tell except for one line, and it's my favorite line of the book, and I know that's how I knew it was yours because it's in the first scene when the when the uh, spoilers. Oh yeah, sand yeah, go, even go pops out the out the sand. It's the opening and says, chapter. Half breed, and she responds. Yeah, I was like, I was like, that's all, that's Larry. I laughed so hard when I read that. Well, well. Like I remember because we did the the big red beaver scene, mm-hmm. the, the the big wet red, red beaver scene, which is oh, funny as hell. But um, <laughs> so I remember Jason originally was thinking that I was going to make him tone it down because you had a whole bunch of like innuendo in there. Obviously, no, they're no, fighting. Larry, Larry's never been known to tone anything down except for horror with me. I know, so, I've, so I actually had to tone down Steve's darkness in places in a book about World War One trench fantasy. Yeah. Um. I was like, mm, Steve, we get, we call that Steve, the, we have to think of the children. <laughs> we now, we have a name for that now. That's the rats eating people quotient. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. like you need more or less rats eating people. And, uh, no, but so I, I actually, in that scene, actually, I was like, you know what? If we're turning the knob all the way up on the absurdity for the scene, we might as well lean into it. And, uh, we did. And so I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I learn something every single time I collaborate with somebody else. Like I learn stuff writing with Steve. I learn stuff writing with Jason. I picked up little things from you guys. Uh, everybody I've ever written, John Brown, uh, Sarah Hoyt, everybody I've ever written with Mike Cooper, everybody I've ever written with, I will find some little things that you guys do that I'm like, okay, that's cool. I think you're actually the only person who's collaborated with more people than I have. Uh, probably. Cause I've done at, a lot. I'm at six now. I oh, I, I'm more than that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, in traditional publishing. Oh, traditional. You're, oh, yeah, yeah. You get out. You get out of that. I mean, we were just in Vegas, and we were like with Craig Martell. Oh, you get the or the J N Cheney is yeah, basically the, the James Patterson of independent yeah. sci-fi, where he's got like six thousand co-authors. Right. You know. But no, it is it is a lot. I mean, because I've I've seen you collaborate, Jason. I've seen you collaborate with a ton of different people, and I like obviously. Obviously, Larry has. I have now two, um, yeah. less than you guys, but still some. He's still done several. And it's, I, I, I personally find that it's not that the books are better or worse than than if I write it by myself. It's just that they're so different. They're definitely different. You know, there's so much different. I don't know. You're hitting. You're hitting these these story points and these characters from so many different angles that maybe you on your own wouldn't have thought to hit it that way. And, th- and that's why I like it so much. I don't know about you guys, but that's why I like it so yeah, much. I, I, I learned, like you said, I learn something every time I collaborate with someone. And also I pick up tricks and tips. And it's and plus, yeah. honestly, I like working with people because they bring fresh ideas in that I'd never thought of. And like 
like some of the stuff you you pulled and uh you were like hey maybe instead of this we should try this and i was like wow i didn't even consider that let's put them at a campfire huh that makes that's that was a- actually pretty cool when they put them around the campfire yeah. playing the guitar and i was oh we just decided that kimpton likes marty robbins uh, yep he seems like the kind of guy who would listen to marty robbins why did he wind up going to butte montana high school is because at some point i decided that he was, he was, he was Johnny football hero from Butte, Montana. No, it's, uh, it, it, collaborations are, they're fun and they're educational. They are more work though. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So for those of you guys listening to this, you think a collaboration is going to be like, oh, I'll do half the work. It's not 50, 50. <laughs> no. It's hundred, hundred. It's hundred, hundred. Well, for the good ones. In yeah. My opinion. Now there's a lot of, there's a lot of collaborations that are out there that are like 99, one, you know, <laughs> and the senior author and that 1% consists of, I'm going to cash a check. For putting my name on it. Well, I mean, look, there is gas money involved and you have to get from point A to point B. So that 1%. I can't even fault that. I mean, James Patterson has fed and clothed hundreds of stray authors. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. He runs a stray author shelter in his basement. Yeah, him, Nora Roberts, <laughs> he just Chaney. Them. That's what they've done. They have That's like a little chain link. Every, every Each author gets their own personal chain link enclosure. Yeah. It's got a drain. It's got a food bowl. It's, it's everything. A water bottle hanging from the ceiling with a drip faucet. Just like a hamster. It's fine. <laughs> everything a exercise writer could wheel. need. There's an exercise wheel. They get 15 minutes a day on it. It's wonderful. And when they die, they just like have a shoot. They throw the dead author in and bring in a new one. Still They're better than my day so job. much money in that basement. Yeah. Still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, I've known people who've written with James Patterson. I'm, I'm only exaggerating a little bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah you, you know Brandon the boys, right? Uh, no, I know of, okay. Yeah. He, he, uh, he wrote with Patterson and, uh, he said it actually was a very good experience for him. So really, hmm. uh, yeah, we, we know a guy that it wasn't quite, <laughs> but, but there is, there is a little bit of like perhaps unreliable narrator coming from that direction. That's too. true. So hard to Everybody's know. different. Well, <laughs> and I do think that that, that is the, the difference here. I, I, I think that if, if Jason and I, and, and we've done this a little bit. We did this at Liberty Con a little bit where we sat down and we were like, so what was it like working with Larry? Yeah. Um, in, in, in our experiences, we're different. And I, and I think that, that if, if we, if Jason and I actually sat down, we're like legit comparing notes. Um, we would find there were, there were some similarities, but there are also going to be radical differences just well, because you the way we approach differently. Super different. Oh, yeah. Steve's writing style is dramatically different than Jason's writing style. Yeah. Like the, the way you guys come at stuff is very different and you got your strengths and your weaknesses. And I think an important thing as an author is to be able to recognize your strengths and weaknesses and what you're good at and what you bring to the table and then amp that up. Like I'm a character guy. I think, okay, so both of you guys agree. Like one yeah. of the things I did is I take rough drafts from both of you. I will tweak character. Like crazy. I mm-hmm. love that. I love intertwining character stuff and character backstory stuff. I mean, that's one of the things I I I love about the process. So so when I'm when I'm listing my strengths and weaknesses, that would be one of the things I'm like, okay, this is something I'm good at. You know? Mm-hmm. Um so I think if you are gonna go into that kind of business relationship with another writer, recognize what you are good at and also whether you're junior or senior, be humble enough to recognize when you're right or wrong. Right. Because when I was junior, I had a collaborative experience where, um, I'm not naming any names, where I was just like, no, dude, you're wrong. You're just wrong. That is a bad call. That is a bad decision. Don't do that. I mean, that project never came to fruition, but it was, I'm looking at the outline, and I was like, that is, speaking as character guy, even when I was a noob, I was like, no, that's just a bad call, dude. We don't want to go up that hill. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's, 
you know, since we're kind of on this whole topic of, of collaborating and how that process works, um, do you approach Jason, do you approach your projects completely differently or with some of the same mentality when it's just your own stuff versus collaborative? Well, it, it depends on the collaborator. Okay. Um, for Larry, it was a very, uh, I tiptoed around a minefield cause I didn't know how to approach him without like getting killed. And I, my, my preface, when I said, Hey, I've got this out, I've got this idea, please don't shoot me. But <laughs> you, yeah, <laughs> that is because I, I know how many people come up to you and I didn't want to be that guy. Right. Especially since I didn't, cause I don't you at that point, I known you for like 10, 12 years. Yeah. 10, 12 years. I mean, probably. I interviewed you for my website back in like 2010. Yeah. And I didn't want to be that guy to say, oh, yeah, I'm using my friendship with Larry to get a book deal. I didn't want to be that guy. It's the same thing I tell Tony. I was like, I Tony, I don't want to everybody to say, oh, yeah, you're writing for Bain because you work there. You're using your friendship with Tony to get books. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And the thing is, people are going to say that. But, I mean, people are going to talk trash no matter what. You know, but really what it comes down to ultimately what you're going to get judged on is the quality of your book, regardless of how you got the deal. Ultimately, that's what matters. Yeah. So, so when it comes to the collaborators, I, it just really depends on who it is, what we're writing and what our goals are. Do we want to write a fun pack, action pack, crazy story like I did with Christopher Smith, or do I want something really, really gritty like I did with Christopher Smith. Okay, wait. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> that's what that's what Chris brings to the table. Everything. Yeah, he, schizophrenia. Yes, he's the full package. God, I love writing with him. Though he's, he's a good fun. dude. He is. Chris, he's, he's, a, awesome. he's a funny he's good. good. I like him a lot. I, I do think I do think it is interesting, and 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 I like what you said, Larry. That that it 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 really when you're working with different collaborators, you kind of get to see just the different styles and the different tones and the different things that they bring to the project. Um. Okay, so so answer me this thing, Jason. So um, I can't remember if we talked about this in the actual episode, if we were still talking about this during one of the breaks. But so you primarily, y- you tend to switch back and forth between outlining and, and discovery, right? Yeah. Um, like or the, you were outlining, you, you were discovery only at the beginning. I was discovery only at the beginning, yes. Um, it took... Work, it took writing short stories actually to make me become an outliner mm. because I hated writing short stories after about three years. I, I detest him because I was like, this isn't enough space to tell the true story to really delve into the character like I want to. I want to go back to writing novels like I started off. So I was like, well, how do I do that and get these editors off my back? And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to outline. And if they don't like the outline, I'll just go from there. So I'll, what I'll do is I'll build the character and then I'll build a story around that character and I'll find that character a world where they can thrive in and then I'll write it. You know, that's interesting because you and I, oh, year, no, earlier this year? It was last year. Was it last year? Yeah, because I got really, really hyper when we were doing, when you were helping me with yeah. that outline. It was, so I th- I think I'd just been laid off. Oh, so it was earlier this year then? Uh, no, that was last year. Oh, then yeah, yeah. yeah it was almost a year ago. Um. So we, you and I were talking and, and, and this makes sense now that you're saying all this stuff out loud, because the first thing you said is I've got this really great character and, and I want to build this story around it. And here's some things, some, some world things that I have that kind of point towards this character. And so, okay, I see, so I see, I see where your head's at now, now that you've explained this, 
Yeah. I get it now. I get what you were doing. I, I am always, I always start with the character, the main mm. character at least, or maybe a secondary character who's supporting the main character. <laughs> and I try to find a world. Interesting, because we've had episodes where we talked about like, you know, what comes first, world or character, and how, how you could go about it different ways, that you're a character guy. That's cool. Yeah. As in, I mean, I think I definitely am. I, you are, you are pretty much too. Mostly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all point to exceptions, but I mean, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, cool. Well, look, we don't have a ton more time for this episode. So um, unless there's anything that, that you needed to bring up, Jason. I, I was just reminded also that I also, I'll get the title of a book and I have oh, no idea where it goes. Jerk. I know. <laughs> I'm good with titles. You know Dude, that. I'm I so know. bad at titles. Oh, so bad I've got titles. five titles for you. Oh, okay. So we'll talk later. All right. Well, because we we're, we're just, we, just going to hire Jason as our title consultant. Well, we've got preliminary titles for the rest of the trilogy. Yes. Um, but but uh, I, I just, you know, most of my titles have been changed by Tony Weisskopf before Monster publication. Hunter, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Tony is, I, I've actually, I'm the reason that I guess a couple of the new books that have come out have different titles. Because I'm good with titles. Good. Because I'm bad. <laughs> Terrible. Well, so speaking of bringing strengths and weaknesses to the table, I recognize I am trash at titles. Yeah. You just pawn it off onto, like, me. I do. I pawn, That's one reason I need co-authors is to come up with titles for me. It's not the writing part. It's like, guys, what do we call this thing? I don't know. All right. So um, with that, that's all the time we have for this episode. We're going to have Jason on another one here. We're, I mean, you guys know how this works. It, there's going to be like a week long pause for you, but for us, it was mere moments. Well, that we're, we're full disclosure. We're going to try to squeeze in one more episode because we're going to go sign books yeah. at a gun store here in Utah. Which is awesome. Yeah. So that should be fun. All right. So uh, that's all we have for you today. Thanks so much, Jason. Thanks for being on the episode. We appreciate you having you here, buddy. Thanks for having me. Um, so this is the Writer Dojo, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Naibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writer dojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. It's, like, it's, it's done. I mean, it's, <laughs> Voting's closed. <laughs> it is said. I mean, the captain has spoken. <laughs>